time for the Chapter 49 podcast. Today is May the 20th, 2022. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer and a communications volunteer, if you will, for Chapter 49. We represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. We're very glad you chose to join us on this podcast, whether you're watching on video or listening on our audio podcast. Let me bring in Duncan Giles, our chapter president, who's always with us on these podcasts. And Duncan, we got to Friday the 13th. Now, you're always worried about what happened after Friday the 13th. My understanding is you didn't break any bones, but something else happened. Yeah, Friday the 13th never bothered me. Saturday the 14th, on two different occasions, I had a fractured ankle and a fractured wrist. So no bones this time, but my HVAC decided to stop working on, you know, 85-degree day late that night on the 14th. So my luck's still holding for Friday the 14th. Yeah, so it's it's always something. But at least you're intact physically, and you're with us. Physically, and mentally, <laughs> mentally is always so-so. You well, we're know. not going to even go there, Duncan. None of us uh, should say <laughs> anything in this day and age. Well, I want to talk about uh, several issues today. We have lots on the agenda. The first thing I would like to ask you about is what we're seeing as, as an agency. Uh, we are, as an agency, we are part of that agency. I'm retired. You're still there as a chapter president and an employee of IRS in that capacity. So IRS is now beginning to bring people into the agency. We're hiring people, bringing them in. How's that going? Yeah, that's one of the things that we had big discussions at at the table uh, last summer when we were negotiating the national agreement is, you know, they want to bring a lot of people in, which we all know we need. But in bringing people in, as important as bringing them in, retention is a huge part of that. And we're having a tremendous amount of fallout uh, all over the IRS in every business division with folks who are leaving very shortly after coming in. And it's a great concern. Um, I, you know, fellow chapter president forwarded me something from uh, someone who went to great lengths to explain why they were leaving and absolutely understandable. It's just, it's just incredibly tough to learn remotely. And if we don't have the support set up for these folks, they're naturally going to leave. So it's a huge, huge issue. You know, Duncan, you shared with me that that letter, that employee who decided to leave the service shortly after being brought on board appeared to have exactly the kind of credentials IRS would want for that job. But this person obviously kept very meticulous notes and had a several-page recitation of why he felt he had to leave and didn't really want to, but felt he had no choice. And, And... at the crux of his issue was his frontline manager. There are two things going on here. Number one, the frontline managers haven't been bringing people in for years. They don't know how to do it, and they're, they, they're, they're clearly not doing it correctly. And I think there's a second issue, and I have a perspective on this. I Yes, I was a bargaining unit employee most of my IRS career, but the last six years of my IRS career, I was a manager, a frontline manager. And I must tell you, I don't think the service really supports frontline managers. And this frontline manager, I think, from what I could glean, was had such a heavy workload, she just could not handle everything on her plate. And these 
New hires just were not a priority for her. Now, that's the wrong way to look at this. So, I mean, and then, you know, word gets around that this job of manager has so loaded with pressure and work that nobody wants to apply for the jobs. And then, you know, what happens is the service hangs on to managers it probably shouldn't hang on to because there's really nobody in line to uh, take these jobs. So I think this is a crisis in management. What What's your view on this? I, I wholeheartedly agree that the frontline management position is one of the toughest, if not the toughest, jobs in the service. Uh, you're getting pressure from above and below. So it's very tough. In this particular case, uh, I, as I like to call it, we had a manager instead of a leader. A leader is someone who knows how to deal with people, can handle the stress, can handle the issues, knows how to delegate, knows how to help and mentor people. And from everything I was able to glean from this and what I've been able to find out subsequently, this manager is not one of them. And unfortunately, we still have quite a number of people who are put in these types of positions for their technical skills rather than their people skills. And you absolutely have to have people skills because we need more leaders. We need good leaders. And so I think that's part of this crisis that we're facing as well. Yeah, I always say that you can appoint someone to a leadership position. That doesn't mean that person is a leader. And becoming a leader is, is something that is not necessarily the same skill you as you would have in a technical job, as you mentioned, Doug. And so I think the service has tried on occasion to try to bring people into management with the, at least those innate leadership skills and to, and to try to develop them. But based on what I'm seeing, service isn't doing a good enough job. So, you know, as you said, you were at this bargaining table. The management wanted in the, the worst way to try to get a system to bring people on board more quickly. Well, apparently they're doing that, but now that they're on board, if they leave right away, that really defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? It, it certainly does, and I can still sit there and sit here and remember our uh, now national VP, Doreen Greenwald, making this point over and over again that, you know, you can bring them in, but if you're not doing what you need to do to retain these folks, it's just wasted money, and that's what's occurring. And the service, to their credit, does try. I mean, they are—they do realize that there is an issue with, um, you know, a lot of their managers' communication skills, uh, people skills, things of that nature. So they're trying to do better, but right now it's an uphill battle, and we're losing it. Well, until the service addresses this whole issue of workload and responsibilities on frontline managers, I don't think they're ever going to fix this, and. Uh, I see no movement in that direction. This manager in this one uh, case study that you and I looked at clearly was overburdened, maybe had other issues too, but was burdened to the point where even if she wanted to pay attention, she didn't have the energy or the ability because uh, they were doing a review on her, which would be a priority for any manager. And it was just uh, there was so much stacked up on, on her plate that she couldn't spend the time or effort dealing with these new hires. So I'm hopeful, but not optimistic that something will change soon. So any final comment on this? No, I think it's just, uh, as you said, there needs to be a change and the sooner the better that uh, they get a system in place so they can identify people who will want to come forward and do have the skills to do the job. 
Let's talk about something else. And as I've mentioned before, I uh, for five years, I, I was uh, an instructor for Indiana University after I retired, teaching uh, continuing education to tax professionals for Indiana University. And I, I love that group of people, got to know many of them. The thing that I find interesting is as a group, tax professionals tend to get pretty upset about things that may or may not be important. I think this may be an example. There was a recent TIGDA report. People who don't know, that's Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, Internal Security, if you will, doing IG reports uh, on the entire Treasury Department, of which IRS is the largest part in terms of staff. So there's a TIGDA report now on the fact that there was some destruction of information returns in electronic form and some in paper form. Uh, It was just, I think, a matter of the IRS not having updated technology and literally having nowhere to, to store this. This was like 1% of all of the stored information, as I understand that the matching program it was set up for had already been completed. So I'm not sure this was as as radical a situation as some people would say. So what what's your uh, take on, on this destruction of information return, infor- information or data, if you will? Yeah, it's one of those things where I don't think it's a huge deal, but our response is the IRS uh, has been, to put it politely, tone deaf. Um, You know, people hear about destruction of 30 million documents or uh, returns or whatever it is, and they just start freaking out. Well, it's not, you know, it's not something that's, like you said, it's already been cross-matched, it's already been used, we don't have the equipment to... Uh, store it. So there's no harm to the taxpayers, no penalties to the taxpayers. They've made sure of that, but it's just the optics of it. And instead of, you know, further explaining that and saying, hey, we know it, it sounds bad, it looks bad, but it's not as bad as it appears. This is why it basically was a basic, "Eh, yeah, we did it and nobody's going to be harmed. So why are you worrying about it? Which is not the right way to handle this. Yeah, messaging is something. I think there are people at the IRS who do know how to do this. Unfortunately, some of the responses in a situation like this are not done by people who do understand it. There you go. So uh, sadly, that and it it is for people who read about this. Yes, it is a concern. The biggest concern I have coming out of this is that the IRS is so far behind in technology. Had IRS had just a little better technology set up, there would be no need for this. And that's the entire problem where. You know, we continually go to Congress and tell them how bad our technology is. And, well, we give you these tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars. How come you can't get it fixed? And it's the problem of trying to patch while we're still trying to do the returns and do our work and everything else. And it's almost like trying to set up a system while you're running a system, which, as any programmer will tell you, is incredibly difficult. So it's it's not an easy thing to do, but we still need to continue to progress and get better at it because some of our systems are still that we use are still so antiquated. It's ridiculous. Well, and and we could probably do a whole podcast on why uh, the Congress lost confidence in IRS management uh, doing 
technology upgrades the right way, and and it's taken us it's take it's going to take even more time for IRS to get the credibility with Congress that we as an agency can do that. So uh, as I said, that's that's a whole other podcast. The history there is is not a pleasant one, and uh, a case where some IRS officials uh, didn't do things the right way, and we're still paying a price for it today. Uh, the National Agreement, we've talked about this. You helped negotiate that. You were a key part of that uh, negotiating team. And uh, now we do know that the National Agreement, after many months of already being in effect, is finally available online. How do you find it now? Uh, there are links that you can go to. If you're an NTU member, it's on ntu.org for all members. The IRS has links on their intranet. So it's out there for people who are available. The question I got as soon as, and I sent out links to all Chapter 49 members. So every Chapter 49 member should have a link to the national agreement. The question I got back almost immediately and have every single day since is, when are the paper copies coming? You know, we, we all say we need better technology. We need, you know, we need to do this. And I still get, where are the paper copies? Um, the paper copies now we are hearing should be here sometime uh, right around the time when people are returning back to the office for phase two. Whether that will be right at that point, shortly after, long time after, at this point, uh, who knows? And National NTU, and certainly somebody like myself, has not been informed of that. But we do know that they are working towards getting those paper copies for the folks. Yeah, just despite all the technology we want, uh, we still lean on that paper way too much. And yeah, that's some people that, that they actually do take that paper copy, put the marks in it, underlying things. They have their own way of organizing a paper copy that might not be as easy to do on on a PDF or, or a computerized right. version of it. So um, that's that's it. That is coming, and you'll let people know when it's available, and hopefully that will be soon. Also, in connected with that, Duncan, I, I must tell you, I think I've said this before, uh, recruiting management officials to be on this national agreement bargaining team each, each time that comes around is not an easy sell because, to be quite frank about it, everybody in management knows you have to leave your management job as a sudden acting up and you're going to have a lot of work to do when you get back. You also know that it's Day and night, it's tough work if you're a management official trying to do this negotiation. It's just hard work uh, to get it done. So it's not easy to recruit people. So it's not unusual for the management chain to honor and reward the members of that bargaining team. You pretty much have to let them know they're going to get some reward or they wouldn't even do it. But what I found interesting is that the commissioner, in a very, I think, magnanimous and, and, and positive step, not only... Uh, honored the, and rewarded the people who were on the management side of the team. They also did that to the IRS employees who were on um, the uh, union side of the negotiations. I, I find this a very positive step, and I'm glad to hear that you were, were a part of that uh, group being honored. Uh, I, I think it was a very good step uh, by the commissioner, and it is certainly appreciated by myself and all the members of the team for management and for NTU. Uh, that they were recognized because this was hard work. This was one of the most interest-based contract negotiations I have ever been on, and I appreciated that. And as a matter of fact, I uh, stated that this week to the head of their team 
Um, it's, it's very nice to get those accolades because I can tell you the folks from management did work hard. The folks from the union did bust their butt. Um, you know, the people that aren't working for the IRS that weren't recognized, you know, certainly retired national vice president, Jim Bailey, director of NTU negotiations, Ken Moffat and national vice president, Doreen Greenwald, all deserve a commissioner's, you know, award recognition. And from what I understand, it's basically a thank you, which is appreciated uh, for doing this because it was a very tough job and it, it turned out well for employees, which I'm very thankful for. So I, I do appreciate the commissioner's effort in doing that in okay. of the uh, lot of people. Yeah, I think we're getting a connection uh, kerfuffle there. Uh, we're out of sync, and also you cut out just for a moment there. It's just one of those things that happens when we're on a Zoom. Just as, as So for people who don't know, Duncan and I, from the very beginning of, of the time we have been doing this podcast, I am always in my office in Fishers, Indiana, my home office, and Duncan is always in his office uh, in downtown Indianapolis. I think with one exception, you'd had to do it from your home once. Uh, but uh, that's why we get these these connection uh, issues. But uh, we're making the best of it, and and uh, so far we've we've mostly kept everything connected. Duncan, I want to talk about COVID. We haven't talked much about it lately uh, because there hasn't been much new. But I do know one thing: there are many uh, campus service center locations that have had to close off sections, clean them off because a, a positive COVID test has been happened in that area. Of course, they have a large concentration of people in those places. Now, I understand uh, downtown Indianapolis has had a situation like that. What can you tell us? Yeah, just today, uh, there was a situation. I, I want, It's not gone away. It is down, the, but the different variants are still out there. It has not gone away, and just today, we were alerted that someone uh, just down the hall from me uh, had po tested positive for COVID, and they had shut down, just shut down, two rooms just down the hall from me uh, to clean those rooms, uh, basically give them a scrub down. Uh, right before this podcast, I saw the cleaning crew in hazmat uniforms getting ready to do just that. So for people that think COVID is gone, you don't have to worry about it. It's no big deal. Folks, it's still out there. Please be mindful. Please be careful. Okay. And, and it's it's good to know at least the service is on it. When they find a positive case, they immediately do the cleaning, which is what we want to see. But COVID's not gone away. Uh, we do have uh, you know vaccinations available. So if you do end up with COVID, uh, your chances of having to go to a hospital or have a severe illness are down as long as you're vaccinated. doesn't mean COVID itself is right. still would be passed around. And uh, once you have a, a positive case, you want to make sure that that workplace is safe. So that is that is a good thing to see. Duncan, a quick uh, reminder to people. We talked about this in our last podcast uh, uh, about what's coming, the Thrift Savings Plan online shutdown. It has started and we're still uh, probably about two weeks or maybe a little less uh, than that from the uh, TSP once again being available as far as your account information being available online and your ability to make a change online. So just a small interregnum here to make some uh, improvements. Yeah, so don't panic. You know, the thrift savings plan has not gone away. It's not crashed because the market's gone down, anything of that nature. This is planned maintenance 
they gave plenty of warning. It'll be back up hopefully in the first week in June to full availability and more with things like the mobile app, the different choices for options to invest in, things of that nature. So just we just have to maintain the status quo, but your money's still getting invested and it's still there. And uh, for people who are listening uh, on just uh, on the audio-only podcast, it should be okay. But those watching on video, we're still having a connection issue. So when you see Duncan talk, it's not perfectly synced. It's just nothing we can do about that. It's just some we've tried more than one connection on this podcast, and we're still having some of these connection issues. So I do apologize. There's really nothing more we can do about it. But let me move on to uh, something that just came out recently. It's a gen. General Accountability Office called the GAO. It's a congressional office that looks into federal agencies, does reports. There was a recent report on the uh, unauthorized access of tax data. This has been an issue for many, many years, going back to the 90s when a new law was passed governing this, and uh, basically saying that IRS employees can be fired for, for this, uh, this uh, transgression. GAO looked at 1,700 investigations that the IRS did on unauthorized access between 2012 and 2021. So that's about a nine-year period. Of those 1,700 uh, cases that were looked at, 27% of them, there was an in 27%, there was... Um, an issue where the employing question more than likely violated the IRS policy on the unauthorized access to taxpayer records. Now, it's never good when you have this happen, and there are some certain people in politics who try to make more about this than it is. So I want to just point out a couple of things. IRS has tens of hundreds, tens of thousands of employees. It varies how many at any given time, but there are lots of people working for the IRS. So when we have 1,700 investigations over nine years, this is not a big number. You don't want any, but that's, that's a still a very small number of, of investigations uh, looking at this agency as a whole. And of those, only 27% of those cases were found where once the investigation was done, yes, the employee did violate the policy. So in a number of these cases that were looked at, the employee did nothing wrong, at least as far as the violation is concerned. So, Duncan, I think we need to just let people know that there are always going to be a few people who try to take this data and 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 not, uh, how should I put this, not really give the proper um, interpretation to it. Uh, yes, there are issues, and we as a, a union tell people never to make an unauthorized access to taxpayer information. The unions had this policy as far back as I can remember. So I think we want, want to understand that, yes, there are these issues, but if you look at it and take it into perspective, uh, IRS is, in fact, investigating these people and meeting out punishment where it needs to be done. And uh, the system is, is working, and it's still a small number of people involved. Yeah, that's it exactly. It's, UNAX has always been an issue. And you, as you said, you never want to have this. But it's a very small percentage that are actually, you know, investigated. And then, you know, just like you said, 27% of those were found to be actual, you know, in a, UNAX violations, unauthorized accesses. So it's, it is a very small number percentage-wise for the number of accesses that goes on 
So if you hear in the press, oh, it's horrible, it's bad. No, I'm sorry. The vast majority of employees at the IRS, the way vast majority, bust their butt, do what they need to do, and do things correctly. So don't, you know, if you see it overblown in the media or politicians or something like that, let it go in one ear and out the other because we know that we're doing the right things almost all the time. And when we don't do the right thing, the, the they people face punishment. So it's not like the IRS is just letting this slide. So, and sometimes people get that impression when they see certain comments made by certain sad political leaders who are not putting us in the proper perspective. So, just wanted to make a comment there for you. Last thing I have today for my to to present is is a, a recent commentary that was written by a man named Tom Temlin. He writes for the Federal News Network. Uh, Mike Causey also writes for that same network. And and he recently quoted a press release. You know, people in media, I've been in media, you get press releases galore, and you, you can't read all of them. Some of them you know which to pay attention to and which not. But he quoted a recent press release he got. Here's the quote. A global pandemic prolonged remote work and learning, an economy in flux, a tense socio-political environment, and increasing mental health challenges as a result of the unprecedented situation and associated uncertainty have created an environment that is rife for stress and burnout, ultimately leading to high turnover, lack of productivity, and negative health effects. That's the quote from the news release. Well, then uh, Temblin comes in and writes that that sentence was worthy of a New York Times uh, lead in a story there, but it's, it was put out by an association trying to push workshops that they're presenting for their members to try to deal with this and take, you know, take steps to help. But he brings up a really interesting issue. This whole issue of uh, overstressed and, and burned out employees and any organization, it could be government or private sector, nonprofit, you name it, bringing people back to the office as its own set of stresses because we've been accustomed to working mostly at home for a couple of years. Now all of a sudden we're going back to an office setting that we're not accustomed to recently and maybe a different place than we, we knew before. And the other part of this is we really don't, as a society or even in science, have a definition for the term burnout. You know, we use this term burnout a lot. It was in that quote uh, from that press release. But it really doesn't have a definition in science or anywhere else. It's kind of, I know what when I see it kind of thing, but nobody has a precise definition. So, Duncan, I think that uh, Tumblin's article brings up a very important issue, that we are still facing stress. It's maybe a different kind of stress, and we all, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but I do think we have to think about this issue of burnout. Even if we cannot define it, it's still there. And we, you know, as an agency and, and as a union and all of us are going to work really hard to, to try to, to, to lessen any, any stress or burnout that we have, but it's still going to be a challenge. It absolutely is. It's just one of those things. Uh, there's still an awful lot of social anxiety about coming back for, Hey, you know, I've worked fine for my home for two years. Why do I have to come back to the office full or even part-time? Why can't I just stay in the office? So it's extremely tough. Uh, it's difficult for folks to deal with. Totally understandable. You know, there are resources available for you uh, 
you know, within the government, outside the government, mental health counseling, I'm a huge advocate of, you know, get, talk to somebody about this. It can help. Okay, it's uh, final comment time. Duncan, what do you have for us this week? I've got two quick ones. The first one is, I uh, hope everybody has read Secretary Yellen's message to uh, all Treasury employees she sent out late yesterday talking about these hate crimes, in particular Buffalo, but all of them that are going on. I, it just boggles my mind that there's still this type of thing going on in 2022. You know, I raised my daughter, who's an extremely fine lady, to understand one thing and one thing only. It doesn't matter what somebody's, you know, what their religion, their color, creed, race, you know, whatever, sexuality, anything of that. It boils down to one thing and one thing only. Are they or are they not an a-hole, so to speak? And she has picked up on that lesson. And I just wish more people would judge people by how they act rather than how they look or how they were born, things of that nature. There's no excuse for that type of hate behavior. And it just drives me nuts to still see it going on. The second quick thing I have is, you know, sometimes in life you're dealt blows. You're dealt personal blows. Things don't go well for you, you know, in your it could be relationships, could be family, could be, you know, financial setbacks, any number of things. Never give up hope. Never give up hope. Keep a positive attitude. Six months ago, I met somebody that she's just been wonderful. So I just want to give a shout out to, uh, to a lady named Kim, who has been absolutely fantastic and can't say enough about her. So I just want people to you know, realize that there is always hope out there. Things can get better. Well, sorry, Duncan, but uh, you had a slight uh, cutout when you talked about Kim, so you'll have to let her know. You This had nothing to do with you or me. <laughs> it was just a slight cutout there, nothing that we did. Uh, Kim's a lovely lady. I've had the chance to meet her, and uh, everything you say about her is correct. The only thing I would add, Duncan, is, you know, you, you talked about your uh, – a hole, you know, that's one of those situations where you have no definition, but you know what when you see it. Exactly so. On Dun- how they treat you and others. Yes. <laughs> Duncan Jones, thank you very much. We appreciate the fact that you have joined us again, and he joins us uh, every time we have a podcast. And this is the Chapter 49 podcast. It's available on audio and video. If you want to check the audio, just go to podcast by Larry Lannon. Just uh, go to any platform that has audio podcasts and you'll see all my podcasts there. I produce a number of them. Chapter 49 podcasts will be on that list. If you want to check out, if you're listening on audio, want to check out the video podcast, just go to YouTube, uh, search under Duncan Giles and uh, there's more than one. You'll find the one where we have the Chapter 49 podcast listed there in that audio, or that, that video list that would be listed for you. And we would certainly uh, say, hey, you know, uh, let other people know if you like this podcast. Uh, let others know. And uh, we'll try to grow our audience. We've grown our audience over a couple of years, and we appreciate all of you watching and listening right now. So once again, we thank you for watching and listening. So please be safe and be kind.